everybody. Let's say hello. We're back again. It is the Nova Files podcast. I'm here again. It is Peter from Medallion Comics. Uh, Dylan from Creepy Trees Inc. And I'm Ian from Triple Threat Comics. What's up, everybody? Oh, Not uh, too bad. I was telling uh, Dylan earlier, like, oh, I'm still, uh, I got the second dose of the vaccine yesterday. And I conked out overnight. So like, I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I just will look at my phone. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh shit. It's almost noon. Let's get this podcast started. <laughs> How you all doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. It's um, it's a, it's five in the afternoon here. So we've just been on a family day. Uh, oh. Just got back um, to like a kind of, the petting zoo farm thing so that's where we've been all day oh that's adorable where are you from remind me again ireland ireland okay and ian you're from i'm from new york and i'm a little bit north of you i'm in montreal uh, canada yeah. yeah so we're all from a little bit of everywhere so that's good you got some three locations three time zones yeah. Oh, yeah. We we got some diversity among these three white men. Yeah. <laughs> so Ian man, I read your uh, first issue of Batman versus Godzilla. Ah uh, yes. Uh so right, you're one of the artists on it, right? Yes, I am. I'm one of the artists on it. All right. I gotta say though, like I re- it it really does capture the feel of the uh, '86 Batman, and yeah. I I I mean I actually like this one a lot more than the uh, Batman uh, the the movie one. It just because it has that campiness that works so well with digestible comics, you know. Did you get a chance, get a chance to read it? Creepy. I uh, I read the Batman Enigma. Oh, nice! What did you think of it? I liked it. I did. I thought I I um. I thought, again, it captured the mood of who would ostensibly be our Batman, you know, the Michael Michael Keating Batman very, very well. Um, Also, I kind of, I liked the way he was drawn as as insanely broody. So next level brooding to the original two movies. Um, The whole time, I did did quite like it. Um, And again, yeah, it was just an enjoyable, um, digestible book, which is something that I found myself recently... um, getting into interested in the idea of having slightly more digestible content in terms of comics yeah. actually oh, so it was good i'll go back over it again for inspiration um okay i gave my thoughts uh, last time me and ian talked i there's things i liked there's things i didn't like so much mm. uh, i'm not going to go over them today um uh, but yeah no it's a, it was an enjoyable read and my critiques but it was good overall Did you get a, you, you haven't read the, the Godzilla one yet, right? No, not yet. I think I'm, that's probably going to be my evening read now. <laughs> I will say this, though. We won't go too much into it then. There is that part where they recapture the whole, like, uh, the linguistic uh, jungle of, like, the Batman 86, where, like, they're looking over riddles and they're going back and forth. And, like, no, but Robin, if you think about it this way, these numbers can mean this. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I love this. I'm like... <laughs> He means Batman 66, not 86. Yeah, yeah 66. And I'm just thinking to myself, you got to be a certain level of intelligence to actually properly write that because I would have to probably take uh, an hour or three to, to write something like that because it's just that like verbal mumbo jumbo that goes back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, oh, and it starts off with a haiku, which sets up in the theme. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's clever. That, that's clever. And then like, the, it's like, oh, we're in Japan, so we're fighting sumo. Okay, that makes sense. And I did notice one thing. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I did notice the uh, all the Japanese characters are drawn in a more anime style compared to everybody else. Yeah, that, yeah. There was a couple of pages that that was intended. I certainly didn't do that, but another artist did because that artist is very much influenced by anime. Yeah. So that was intended. Yeah, I'm just saying that's that's actually quite clever because you know you're you're going to Japan, so all the Japan characters you're gonna just like oh cool we'll have a little bit more anime inspiration and it's noticeable. 
Yeah. So you can you can only do that in a comic book. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. And I was just double checking to see if it was intentional or not. <laughs> it, it was very much intentional. Um, it was a great collaborative effort because it was like different artists from the, all all over all over the globe, and we were all you know just talking to each other, saying, okay, what are you doing this page and what are you doing that, but. It was also by the great brilliance and the leadership of the writer who was coordinating everybody to, you know, make sure that we're all doing our best work. Yeah. I definitely got to say, though, like, uh, reading it, like, it feels, it doesn't feel like a fan comic. It feels like something that would come out right out of uh, DC for, like, one of their, like, uh, special minis that's, like, a four-issue thing. I really liked it. It's a very clever story, and it feels very much in the style of the 66 Batman. Like, so I got to give it praise for that. Yeah. Uh, when you get to issue two, uh, I did design a couple of vehicles. I did design the, a new Batmobile. Ooh. I did design a new Batgirl cycle because she's in the story. Oh, speaking of Batmobile, I forgot to show this to you last week. I'm going into the display case here. We were talking about the uh, Batman Returns, and I have one of these. Oh, my God. That's from, that's the mcdonald's toy oh yeah i had the full i actually have two of these i don't know how i have them but like oh. i did get a whole set and i have the penguin somewhere i don't know if i ever got the, some of the other ones but i've always loved this little thing the roll's really good the spring is really good and i'm like oh man I've, I've kept this since i was a little kid i just i just love this yeah this There's is what i'm so good about this batmobile design i don't know what it is mm -hmm. right. we had a um uh, there was an empty, we have a, a small shopping center or, or mall or whatever you want to call it, that had an empty store in it recently, but someone decided to put um, a whole history of Batman toys on display Ooh, in, the, in, in the space. Yeah, yeah, so it was pretty cool. Um, but it had stuff right away from Adam West all the way up to um, Christian Bale. Uh, and some of the, with the animated series and everything in between. So it was nice to see that kind of history in toy form. Um on display in somewhere you normally you wouldn't you wouldn't think to see it you know it was like at a supermarket yeah. or a grocery store whatever you call it so it was like yeah so you're like you're done and you're kind of just standing there making sure you have everything and you're looking at this museum of batman um in the middle of it all you know it was quite cool you know i remember uh, a few years back i went to japan and i was in akihabara and they just have stores upon stores upon stores of like figurines like old ones, new ones, used ones. And I'm just like going through them. I'm like, oh my God, these are all the toys from my childhood. I'm like, just like going through each store and like amazement. You think what I have behind me is impressive? You should see what they got in those stores. And you're just going from one to one to one. And it's, it's nonstop. And a lot of them sometimes also display like, oh, here are all the different uh, Power Ranger toys. Here are all the different, uh, uh, any, anything related to Japan. And I remember there was this one section where it was like a Build-A-Figure and they were actually really cool because he had a bunch of like movie characters, Marvel, DC characters. He had this really real weird Trump figure in somewhere in there too. And I'm just like, that is so surreal. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Toys uh, are a big deal in the geekosphere. Well, speaking yeah. of toys, yeah. actually, it's hard to go across it. Has anyone seen Masters of the Universe yet? The new one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, I haven't watched it. I've heard a lot about it. My YouTube is full of nothing but pictures of Kevin Smith crying right now, and I'm just getting sick of it. I, yeah. uh, look, uh, I don't think um, I, I'm not gonna spoil everything, obviously, because you know, what? I, I don't mind. I know everything that happens in the show. I'll, I'll watch it within a week or two. But I looked at some reviews. I know what's going on, so you can say whatever you want. So right now, we'll say uh, we're now in spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the new uh, Masters of the Universe. Uh, fast forward ahead. I, I have to say, they, the show did take very bold steps, mm. you know, because they they said it was a continuation from the original show, but they wanted to keep it different enough so that the, you know, newer viewers are hooked. And I have to say, um, I was very impressed. I was very impressed with what they did. I understand the choices that they did, made, you know, with some of the characters, but Again, I did not expect the end result, especially that last episode with Skeletor. I did not expect that mm. to see that coming, which is very good. Yeah, that, like that, 
I think part of it I enjoyed it when I first started, um, started watching it. I was sitting there with my wife, and you know, it was like it was like He Man again, and and you're all the same jazz. I got goosebumps watching it. Yeah. Um, and also, it was that uh, I I saw a review um, last night then as well that made a very good point of it's making children's shows into adult shows then and you have this there's still this weird element of like we're talking about a, a really campy 20 minute toy ads or commercial from the 80s yeah. that everyone had like crazy names and um it's still like I th- yeah exactly like we've talked about on here but it's now we're kind of now we have to that's slightly subverted because now we have to take it seriously because it's actually an adult cartoon. Yeah. You know, so there was a little bit of that. Like, I think they, they kind of held that very well. Do you know, I did like the difference between Adam and He-Man. Now it does make sense a bit more in, instead of that just being like, you know, hair parted this way to that way. Which yeah, is to be fair though, in every medium of He-Man since the original, uh, Prince Adam has been portrayed as two different people and like mm-hmm. you have the scrawny uh, Prince Adam and you have like the burly He-Man like it's something that's uh, they've been doing a lot in the comics they've been doing it a lot in other shows they've done so it's it's not original to here essentially yeah is it the I, th- I think I know there's a, I know there's a second part coming yeah um to the show my kind of takeaway from it would be, yeah, I'll watch it, but I don't think I'd ever revisit it after seeing the the, the two. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I'd be done with it. Yeah, I think because at that point, you got to start making comparisons between mm. the show. And I think it takes away from the nostalgia because mm-hmm. I said, this particular entry in this franchise is a nostalgia trip for a lot of people. So to revisit it maybe after just one viewing, I think it just takes away from the nostalgia. You're like, and you start to find flaws in it and you don't really mm. want to find flaws in this storyline because that's part of your childhood. That's part of who you, you know, what you grew up watching. Yeah. I have a question for both of you. Did you ever watch the 2006 He-Man series? Yeah, I've seen a couple of episodes. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. That was made around the same time as uh, Justice League Unlimited. I remember... Uh, back on YTV, which was uh, the local uh, kids' channel in my area, uh, they did a, an airing block of all the new shows that would be coming. So you had ju- the, the first four or five episodes of Justice League Unlimited and the first four episodes of the new He-Man show. And I am telling you, it is amazing. Like, it, it, it's actually very overlooked. It's not talked about a lot, but everyone who talks about it has nothing but good things to say. It's, not, it's a very good reboot. It's uh, two seasons long. It does. It's actually, I think, one of the first places they ever bring up King Grayskull. Um, the the voice acting is great. They got Leonardo from the original Ninja Turtles to voice He-Man and Prince Adam. Uh, Man at Arms is voiced by Optimus Primal, which is just great. And the Skeletor voice actor is pretty good. You even got Skeletor's uh, origins, and you got the origins of He-Man. Uh, the, se- the first season's all about Skeletor. Second season, it brings in King Hiss and the Snake Men. Uh, Hordak was this big looming threat. Uh, it never got a season three to finish off, but it's a really, really good series. And I'm just like, man, everyone's talking about this He-Man that just came out that's five episodes, and no one remembers the 2000 one, which is like arguably way better. Well, I think that the reason why that is is because there are more... They're definitely more drawn to the original series, the the eighty series, that's yeah. that reboot because you know again that's part of the childhood and mm. to try to reboot it in any way that the, the way they did, again you know they're gonna resist because as you know with these reboots, yeah. But what I'm getting at is that it has no hate that series, at least not to my knowledge. Like it's a generally well received series. It just it kind of fell off the radar because everyone always defaults to the original. Yeah. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because um, I haven't seen this, the show yet. I've been seeing a lot of reviews. I read some synopsis. I know what happened. And I'm seeing a lot of people unhappy. And from, yeah. uh, I'm not going to go into it that much because like I said, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't give a mm-hmm. proper opinion. But from what I understand, the series does have a major bait and switch. Yeah, I can say that yeah. at least the first part. We can't, I can't really say about the whole series as a, as a whole because 
we haven't seen part two yet, so we don't know what to expect after that. Yeah, but it's very much like, and then I'm seeing, I've saw, I've seen some scenes and like, uh, where the main character, of, the main character of the series is going to be Tila. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. But, like, from what I'm seeing of some of the scenes that, that are written for her, she has a very, uh, not even, like, the, her personality doesn't make sense. Like, this doesn't seem like how a regular person would act. And I don't know what's going on here. But generally speaking, like, I love the animation. I love what they're doing, the whole lost magic, uh, the combining of both of the good guys and the bad guys, it kind of reminds me of like a post-war uh, Autobots and Decepticons where you have people from both sides coming together and it makes for a better storytelling. Now, it depends on your mileage, on if it, this really bothers you, the bait and switch, or if it doesn't. But I'm the way the, the character is written, I don't like Tila and how they're writing her. I've loved Tila before, but there's something kind of off about her here. Well, I think the character is obviously clearly lost because the, the whole life before you know she, the, the revelation she's been lied to so what happens to her after she blows out the truth so that yeah, but, person i think so i think that's what they were trying to get at yeah so, but generally speaking the lie is that prince adam was he-man and there is a really good reason for that the whole point is that he doesn't tell people because if he tells people then Skeletor could easily target him, his family, and friends because there is a long period of time where he's vulnerable. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's the thing though. She, it, the character, the way it was written is, she's like, you still should have told me. Yeah, you know? that's it, perfectly fine. But I'm just saying like, I saw the blow up scene where she like, basically two people, their son just died and she does nothing but be angry at them. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that because that I don't. I just I one gripe I, I do have is that I don't think that scene was done very well. Yeah, because that that scene comes off as just this tantrum when two people have just found out that their child is dead. Yeah, the whole thing with King no, Randor. Yeah, I remember the whole point of King Randor having this revelation that he's been so hard on his son, and then realizing his son was He-Man, and he's been doing all this the whole time. It's like this. It's a, it's a sense it's a feeling of guilt like it's stuff like that is good but like her blow up just seemed unnatural and well, I, I think it was i think there was something else that's not really shown uh in that particular that episode because i think she was yeah, she was feeling something else it was not just anger but it was something else i, I can't put my finger on it yeah. i think i possibly explore that in part two especially yeah. after what happened to him Oh, you know, I get it. But also, there is the thing of, like, she's blowing up at the royalty. Also, man-at-arms, man. Man-at-arms man gets dirty. Like, he is, like, their little whipping boy. I'm like, whoa, dude. Like, he's, first of all, following a direct order from the sorceress and from the prince. So he can't reveal secret identities. I was like, it's an interesting thing. It's also, like, a very comic booky thing. Okay, now everyone knows the secret identity of, like, Superman. What's the fallout from that? Yeah, I but I I I my okay right my second gripe with the whole thing and I'm not gonna go on about gripes is that it's I think it's just all really it's one of those where part two is gonna explain everything. Yeah, for sure. I, like, think, I feel a lot of it was just this kind of thing of right. We everyone hopped on us for two reasons: either because you already know about He-Man and Master of the Universe and you're a big fan, or you're a big fan of Kevin Smith, and so you have these. You're like, Daredevil, you do all these other things. So you have all these preconceived notions of what he's going to do. And I think in some ways he did fill his tropes because everything's like, you know, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm going to flip it. And then we're going to probably, probably going to get stoned and uh, I'm going to come up with something else, which is perfectly fine. But I do think there was still a lot of that where he's like, you can feel that we're right now going, part two, we'll, we'll finish it in part two. Everything is like, Doom, 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 doom. And there is some great scenes, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And that, like, I did enjoy it overall, as I say. Like, I, I mean, in straight away in episode one, where that's what the thing happens, I was like, I was, it was like midnight. I was watching, I was drinking a cup of coffee, and I was just like, but this, it's like, it's his show. It's, but well, there, spoilers. <laughs> but it's that person's show. Yeah. Um, Excuse me. And so, I'm not yeah. a fan of that. So, sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, no. It was, it was just that I, th I think um, 
do you know, uh, yeah, I think there was a lot of that. Um, I, yeah, Tila, I don't think she was handled very well, really. And it, to be honest, uh, I think she probably will be handled much better in the second part. Um, yeah, but again, it's that it's like we don't even know really if he's going to get the second part. Like, you've seen a couple of reviews, I've seen a couple of reviews, and not a lot of people are happy about it. So it's like Netflix has this either they cancel really popular shows or they cancel stuff that's got reviewed really, uh, really poorly. They just turn around and go, no. Because um, also, you got to remember, He Man is a vehicle for toy sales. So I'm pretty sure there is a line of collectors, He Man toys. So the question is, like, hmm, is this going to sell our toys? Because that's the reason why they canceled the 2002 show, is because, well, we, were not, we weren't selling enough toys, so we canceled it. And you can see that old show was super toyetic. <laughs> Even the original, my God, that show was toyetic as sin. Yeah. Uh, see, I think personally, I'm going to wait until part one and part two are out so I can just marathon it. Because uh, right now, I think I'm going to let the, how do I put this, the, the wave of it die down before I jump into it. Because right now, there's just a lot of negativity of it, about it online. So I'm going to wait, let that die down, then formulate my own opinion. But I am worried about the stuff I hear. Like, I do love, the concept is good, okay? We're, I'm going spoiler now. We're in a world now without He-Man and without Skeletor. And the people who are left behind have to pick up the pieces and figure out what to do next. It's a good concept. Have the characters been done a disservice in some cases, maybe. Uh, are some characters stronger now? Maybe. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I will say this to everybody who is unhappy with it, go watch the 2002 show. A lot of it is free on YouTube to watch. Like literally, I was just like searching He-Man just for shits and giggles. And I'm like, oh, cool. Episode one. Oh, wow. An, an hour and a half. Like the first like five episodes put together for people to watch free on YouTube. Yes, please. So if you're unhappy, there is good He-Man quality content out there. So you're not going to be at a loss. Well, that's the other side of it as well, isn't it? With all this nostalgia stuff and, it's, and a lot of it coming back because people are running out of ideas, I think we do load things a bit too much as an audience. Oh, God, yes. Like, which can ruin everything for us, really. Yeah. Do you know? What was it there? Uh, they made a new rise of the TMNT show, uh, the Teenage Ninja Turtles, and mm. my God, that was getting some flack for a while there. But then, like, people started opening up to it because I had some really nice animation. I, I was I was probably one of those people to be honest. Well, I saw it was like another another version of it, another reboot of it, and I'm just like, you had something that was perfect. Why bother? But then. The other side of that is, as, as we, there's all sorts of issues with that original thing, is like when we when we have found something at a certain point, we have then we have therefore for the rest of our lives, if we enjoyed it or if we hated it, we've loaded it so much that nothing that can compare to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we are very the, the, you know people who are you know uh, who happen to grow up to see a lot of these earlier versions of this especially are, are some of the worst people for it because we we got we got the original versions of it you know so like i'd be the same of you know you've got the um, the real ghostbusters um teenage mutant ninja turtles um again he-man and things like that who we all saw these crazy drawings of like I guess in particular with he-man as we all know it's like these crazy drawings of these crazy locations with moody backdrops and things like that so nothing will ever compare to that for us. We have to learn as an audience to start letting go. I get that. But there is also another thing to be said. Like, I'm always seeing, like, all oh, the fans are trash. The fans. There is a thing about, like, you know, you got to give the fans what they want sometimes. Mm. You also got to give them what they don't want because sometimes they don't know what they want. Like, well, that, that whole story about, like, chunky salsa. Like, they just made regular. No one wanted chunky. They made chunky, and then everyone loved chunky. You know, like big chungus. But anyways, uh, but that is true. Like, you know, it's worth trying something new every now and then. Like the rise of the TMNT, I know it started off and had like a mixed reception, but the longer it went, the more and more people were enjoying it. And then uh, here's an example, Transformers. Transformers is going from iteration to iteration to iteration. You had the OG, mm. you had Beast Wars, and 
when V-Source came out, everyone was like, truck, not monkey, truck, not monkey. And V-Sword is one of the most fondly remembered Transformers shows. And they did something completely different. And like now they're bringing V-Sword back in the, it's actually coming out later in the week on Netflix, Transformers Kingdom. Now, between me and you, I have been finding the, I'm a huge Transformers fan, and I have not been particularly enjoying the Kingdom series or the, the Cybertron trilogy. I don't know if any of you have watched them or have ever been fans of Transformers in the past. Been a big fan of Transformers, but I haven't I haven't paid much attention uh, to each other. I thought Beast Wars was going to be the next uh, or big live action one. Yeah, they're apparently working on I heard, that. I heard something like that. Yeah, because we're I think on the 25th anniversary of Beast Wars, so now they're just basically milking that nostalgia. But like they're bringing back the characters in um, the Kingdom series, which is the the Netflix show, mm. and. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm actually worried because I just, I feel like they're going to be doing the characters disservice. Like, because, you know, the characters are so well established in the past. I and mean, we can say the same thing about He-Man, the Ninja Turtles. And yeah, yeah. deviate too far or when you feel the project doesn't have the, the, the correct amount of effort attached to it. Like that uh, before Transformers also made something called the um, Power of the Primes trilogy. Or, and that's this I like that it very mixed reception like it's some it's some weird level of quality I think they, they went to machinima to do it back in the day and now rooster teeth doing this new trilogy like one you can tell they're doing it cheap because the voice actors are not the best and they refuse to get unionized voice actors because it costs too much because back in the old day, all the Transformers show used unionized voice actors, which is a lot of times, oh, cool, that's how we're getting such quality out of uh, these lines. And you can tell that these series are not being made to really capitalize and make good stories. They're being made to shill more products. Because what are they making? Oh, we have a new line of Transformers toys. Let's make the series to help promote it or just get some buzz around. They made a new line of Kingdom Beast Wars toys. Okay, let's bring them into this, this trilogy where people are nostalgic for them. Let's see how it's going to go. And, well, we'll find out later in the week how well the show is. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting thing. Compact, toy companies and even entertainment companies are very much like that. Because if you remember in the late 90s, Lucasfilm was coming up with a media... Um, multimedia event and they did Star Wars Shadows of the Empire and what they did was they created obviously the story but they also created a video game a toy line and an exclusive soundtrack and this all this was because they wanted to you know create a hype for the special edition uh, releases <laughs> Actually, that's the funny thing about Star Wars in that the only reason they, re they made more movies is because they got the toy the toys the toy rights back. That was George Lucas. Mm -hmm. Because Fox had so little faith that Star Wars was going to happen, they, they were said, take, take the toy line, take it, take it. No, actually what happened was like, they, they talk about this, there's a documentary series on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us, where they talk about the origin, a lot of uh, action figures, but also how they relate to media. There's an episode on Barbie, which is like fascinating. <laughs> like the origin of Barbie is that they're old dolls that in France that people would give to solicit sex. So remember that next time you look at a Barbie. But anyways, uh, no, <laughs> the story was back in the day when they made Star Wars was uh, they were really pushing back and forth. And the movie was about to come out and they didn't have a toy line. So they went to, I think it was Kenner. I, I could be wrong, I can't remember. And they made a deal, but Kenner would get like 90% of the profits off the toys. And they made it so that the, Kenner would be making exclusive Star Wars toys until they uh, until a certain period of time. Like if they didn't release a, uh, a Star Wars toy within a period of two years, then they would lose the license. 
So, you know, they made the original movies. There was no new content for Star Wars coming out. Then uh, Kenner was bought up by another company. Once again, I could be wrong. I can't remember the name of the company. And then no more Star Wars toys were being made. So Lucasfilms got the rights back. And then we got the sequel, the, the prequel trilogy. Oh, God. Yep. So remember, kids, the reason why we got Jar Jar is because, well, now George Lucas can make money off toys. And he must have been high off his ass to create that character. That annoying, high-pitched little bastard. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was a kid, I enjoyed Jar Jar. Because I was the target audience for that type of character back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fairness, it, it, it's something that brought a lot of other people into it. Having having that guy there who, who was able to bring this much smaller audience through this, you know, weird thing of guys going around in robes really recruiting people yeah yeah let's talk you know, like we're told our whole lives don't follow the guy and who's wearing just a robe and then we we idolize these movies where these monks are going around just taking people Do you know yeah. like yes you too have this ability if we've no way of knowing but i just know Do you know follow the invisible power and get under the cloak um, you know, let's be honest here when you go back and look at the Star Wars uh, franchise and you actually take a good hard look at the Jedi they're uh, kind of culty that's the best way the Grey Jedi is the way forward and that's why this new trilogy was meant to bring that uh, bring that out and actually follow the canon that they said they weren't following and do it justice and introduce the, the Grey Jedi or the greys in total in it to, to bring about an, an ultimate balance. So you have that super light culture of the super dark cult, but then you have the people in between. And then I'm sure we all know what happened there. I only saw the rise of Skywalker quite recently. Um, and that's all I have to say on that. What I'll say about the rise of Skywalker is it's a very paint by number movie in that where they just copied like a new hope mm. or episode four. And there's a this series on YouTube called Fanfic uh, Fanscription, where they basically kind of rewrite certain movies. And they made a very interesting fanscription where what they did was they made Finn the main character of the new trilogy. And that and instead what they did with Ray, they made the whole like uh, you know the the Skywalker twins. They basically made her and. Um, and uh, Kylo Ren twins, and that one was good with the Force, one wasn't. One's more like Han, one's more like their mother. It, it was uh, very interesting as a concept because Finn, I find, carries that frat that would carry those movies better than mm. Ray. It kind of it does feel if you watch that trilogy though that that's kind of the way someone had originally written it down. Yeah, uh, like I, I, my whole thing of w watching all three of the movies. And you're kind of going through it and you go, so this, you can always, you can, I think you can really pinpoint where someone came into the room and went, change it. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're looking at the second movie yeah. in that trilogy, apparently. Because yeah. they brought in a new director and he changed everything. And then in the third movie, they brought in another new guy and he had to completely scrap everything. No, they, they brought the same director from the first one. It was JJ. JJ uh, Abrams did one of uh, the... Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker. And then you had Ryan Johnson who was coming in to, to change. And I think had Ryan Johnson been let do what he was going to do, we would have had that, we would have actually had that clearer path mm -hmm. and where we would have had by the end of it, we would have had, we know, like we know what we have now because there's, there's going to be Star Wars films. I think the, the, con the thing that Disney have declared is there's basically going to be a new numbered Star Wars um every couple of years if not every five years or something like that with all these with all these bits in between i can't quite remember the the actual numbers but um yeah i i, I think ryan johnson's trilogy because i think he still has that his star wars trilogy will be an introduction of the greys yeah if it hasn't already been announced because there were some things in the, the second movie that i didn't mind like the whole like luke doing a force projection to like trick kylo i thought was really good and clever mm. i really like that and that is a known uh light side ability the fact that he died from it was stupid yeah um mm. 
was like, okay, you're trying to kill off all the old characters. Uh, this was this. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I had a problem with that, obviously, but still, overall, I actually preferred that entry as to the rest of them. Yeah, at least yeah, I, I can see it, yeah. But there are some parts of that movie that are really dumb. Like the whole Canto bite, all that entire tangent was just completely unnecessary. And like, I didn't even understand while watching the movie how that worked. Oh, they took a pod, they left, went to another planet, and would come back to rejoin. And all that would happen in the time where they wouldn't make it to somewhere or they wouldn't die in the chase. I'm like, that is just so dumb. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. My friend, no, no, Peter makes no, it doesn't. Like, there's, it's very narratively well, poorly made. And my favorite joke that came out of all three movies, and anyone as a writer can appreciate this joke, if you ever find yourself stuck or you feel your writing's not good enough, remember, somehow Palpatine found a way to come back. Because that's a line in the movie. Somehow Palpatine has returned. Yeah. But this is what, the, this is what I'm saying. This, this is, I think, where... because. My real problem with you look at Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker is it follows the J.J. Abrams pattern of mystery box. Have you ever seen his talk where he goes on about the mystery box? No. Where he basically says like he equates everything in what he writes to has to be a mystery box. So you where you're left with so you have like twenty questions in a movie and your answer to like in about sixty percent of them it's a mystery box. It's a mystery. Yeah, and that, where that works in like some movies, I think in something like this where we have such an established canon and there was just so much material that people, again, maybe this reverts back to the first point of I overloaded it with my uh, emotional attachment, but um, it oh God, it quite perfectly. But <laughs> there was this, this, such this thing there where they just turned around and said, no, we're not going to do it. But again, it was like, well, no, actually we are but we're doing it our way. And then someone came in the middle and said, no, we're doing it the way it should have been done. And then the mystery box had to happen. So I think that, like, in particular, like, if you, have you read any of the Star Wars extended stuff? The extended kind of canon universe? I know a lot about it. I know the whole, like, uh, there was this whole clone uh, there. Let me find my words. There was a clone Palpatine. There was Luke's two kids. Uh, there was a uh, Mara Jane, which was a very popular character. There was the fact that Chewie, the only way they can kill him was dropping a moon on him. Uh, there are uh, there's the Thrawn, um, uh, Thrawn. He's the, the blue guy with the mm -hmm. red eyes, right? The Thrawn trilogy was which was apparently very well received, and apparently that character is so good that they finally actually brought him into the canon where they brought him into Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Um, but it's even that it's like the, this whole thing of you know the the palpatine connection like it's yeah it, they, it's just everything got treated so flippantly because that we have it was this idea of the mystery box but we have this singular heroine who has no personality mm -hmm. so everyone can project who, their story onto them and don't get me wrong like I, I think for what for what was there like there was some stuff that i did enjoy joe you can i think you can turn your brain off and really enjoy it i think you can they're they're popcorn movies but um yeah because coming out of it i enjoyed hmm. it more than the other two because of the action in it. but when you stop and think about it a lot of it is like well this is kind of dumb i think that's really about the where i i have such a problem with the neutrality because when you look back and love it like yeah there's some great sequences like don't get me wrong some of the best sequences in star wars in it, but we knew we knew the moment disney acquired all of it there would be um like I don't think anyone had any doubt, but that's when you start to look at it. Then you kind of just look at a lot of it, going, "Yeah, but it, it might as well be the Expendables for kids." Yeah. Ah oh, man, I, here's the thing though. Uh, with all this uh, Star Wars stuff going on, I've had way more enjoyment in watching Star Wars: The Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, and The Mandalorian. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, really, and, it's really back to basics for those particular uh, series. But, he, but here's the thing, though. You know, with some of those series like Mandalorian and uh, some of the other ones that they're planning, those are stories that haven't been told yet before 
mm-hmm. of the original trilogy. No. Nope. Mandalorian, that's actually a sequel to Return of the Jedi. Actually, yeah. all, uh, all the live action stuff they're making, uh, I know there's one called Rangers of the New Republic. That one is set also after uh, the original trilogy. I know one's about the story about Ben while he's on Tatooine, which is going to be, I don't know how entertaining. Oh, it'd be interesting, but that's that's the point. There's stories that are not told mm-hmm. and not involving the Skywalker family. Yes, people did more stories like that. I think they'd be more invested, you know, in this franchise. Mm. Oh yeah, I completely agree. My uh, my best buddy Eric, he would totally say like, you know, it's kind of nice if they would just do more stories without the Skywalkers. You can get a lot more done that way. You don't always have to go back to Luke, Leia, and Vader, and which is one of the reasons why I enjoyed Star Wars Rebels so much. Uh, do any of you ever watch Rebels? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, Star Wars Rebels is a story about a resistance cell uh, during the uh, uh, during the occupation of uh, during the Empire's occupation, and they're fighting back. And one of the people in the group is one of the surviving Jedi who's training a new Force-sensitive uh, wielder, and they're being chased by the Inquisitors. Uh, they're being chased by Vader at some point. There's this whole scene about like the veil of the force that's introduced in Rebels for the first time. Uh, Darth Maul is used in that series. Uh, what's it? Uh, Ahsoka Tano is in that series as well. It's a really solid series. Like if you told me they made that into a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars show, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's great. It's it, it's it's very paint by the numbers, but I very much appreciate it. I thought it was a very good solid show. I was fortunate I watched it when it was done, so I got to like watch one episode after the other. And when they brought Thrawn into that show, I'm just like, man, okay, Thrawn is such a good villain. Like, he is so calculating. He knows what he's doing. He's clever. Like, you cannot pull a fast one on him. And apparently, I think they're, bring, they're trying to bring him back in the new live-action stuff, in that he was name-dropped by Ahsoka Tano in uh, Mandalorian. So that means, uh, and we're seeing a lot of the Mandalorians we saw in one of the Mandalorian characters, the, the, the blue girl, I forget her name, was originally from Rebels and uh, Clone Wars. So that's the first time we got an animated character that was brought into live action. And apparently it's the same voice actor. Yep. So that I found to be really cool. Uh, so that means like, well, does that mean we can see more of the characters from Rebels or Clone Wars brought in? to this series? Are they going to bring in Rex at some point? You know, like, I think the actor who plays them is like, apparently he was a super old man. Like, wait, I'm sorry. I keep losing my words. Apparently what they did is they took the, the model of a character who appeared on in episode three or episode six, uh, who was there on um, the planet where they finally beat the Empire, this really old guy. And they used that as a model for Rex was a really popular character from Clone Wars saying, oh yeah, that was him in that episode, in the movie. So this is him like, oh, he joined up with the Rebellion and he helped fight back. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. Like, yeah. The original actor who played Boba Fett uh, and Jango Fett, they brought him back to be the new Boba Fett, not the new Boba Fett, but Boba Fett in The Mandalorian. Yeah. So like they're bringing back their old guys. I'm like, this, I like that. I like seeing that. that yeah. Sense of continuity. But that's where that it's 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 taking it's giving that where where we were talking about earlier actually where you're you're still you're giving the fan base something that's familiar but pushing it forward Mm -hmm. with something that's not as loaded with this new material. Like I'm really looking forward to the book of Boba Fett, um, and the Mandalorian itself. I think the the Mandalorian itself. Was it, that was season two? I think we've got at least two more seasons of that, and then that that's really done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and apparently, it's also setting up the whole like uh, Luke's uh, Jedi, and like, oh, you know, he he's the one apparently who's going to train Grogu, and then Grogu's going to be instrumental in helping rebuild the Jedi. Because the thing is, oh well, like, you know, Kylo Ren's claims he killed all of Luke's students. How does he know mm-hmm. he got them all? <laughs> For all we know, they're just in hiding. That was actually, in fairness, a reveal that we, I think we all saw Coburn, but I don't necessarily, like, I I kind of wish it was going to be Ezra or something. Yeah, for that, that was cool, but, like, I think the search for Ezra is its own plot point, because 
Well, mm -hmm. he's currently with Admiral Thrawn. So what's going on there? Has Thrawn yeah, killed him? Yeah, yeah. Imprisoned him? Has he turned him to the dark side? Are they allies now because of a greater threat? No. Ezra would have been cool, but there's so much more story potential with Ezra to be done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, or Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker. Actually, because I think you could have, if you look at even the all the kind of video games around it, like I can't remember, there was an Xbox game where um, Luke Skywalker had basically rebuilt a Jedi Temple. This is like, it's that in-between bit before we have, you know, what happened with uh, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren stuff. Um, where there's, again, there's so much stuff that we have experienced, but we haven't really experienced yeah. that you could have, like, you know, the, the kids show Star Wars, you know, Jedi Academy. Everyone's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get my lightsaber in a week." Um, oh god, Did, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Apparently, they were making a show called Star Wars Detour, which was gonna be basically kind of like a robots, a uh, chicken style Star Wars show. I didn't hear this. Okay, you could actually find the leaked first episode on YouTube. Just write Star Wars Detour. The story behind it is this was before the acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney. So uh, Lucas really loved working with the robot chicken guys yeah. and doing those Star Wars specials. So he, call, he called, uh, what's the name of the guy who does the robot chicken? Uh, ben something or? Seth Green. Seth Green, thank you. So he called up Seth Green and they actually made a 40 to 50 episode series, which was like, you know, 10 minute episodes. And they're all basically parodies of Star Wars. So like one of them is like um, Darth Vader is like, yo, 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 the dark side is cool. Join the empire like a, as a recruitment video. That was part of like the trailer they made. But then the acquisition happened and they basically took that series and they shelved it because mm, we don't want to poke fun at Star Wars right now. We're going to be putting out these new movies. Last thing we want to do is like demean everybody in the series. And there's this whole thing about like uh, Ben Kenobi who's being haunted by... Um, the, the guy Liam Neeson played, uh, what was his name again? Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, he's being haunted by Qui-Gon Jinn. And it is like, uh, it's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like you can find the trailers. You can find the first episode online. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. And I, I really wish they would just put it out. Like, just put it all on Disney Plus for shits and giggles. Like, all of it. Well, it sounds like there, there is a, a Lego Star Wars series on Disney Plus. It's a, C, a C3PO is like the lead character. There's a lot of stuff in that that sounds exactly like that. It wouldn't surprise me. I know there was like a Lego Star Wars uh, episode of like a Christmas special where mm. um, Ray finds a way to travel through time and like keeps bumping into different alternate versions of people. And I'm like, okay, I, I, that's a thing. <laughs> you can do a lot in Lego Star Wars. Okay. I'm it gonna, is a great universe. I'm going to say this um, for the sake of people about uh, trilogies. All right, I'm going to say this. And this is for the, the movie people, if you're watching. If you have different directors, you know, if you get three directors all at the same time, you hire them at the same time, have them in the same room, especially with the writers, and go over what you want to do in this movie and what you want to do in that movie and so on. So everybody's on the same page. So we go get a mishmash of a trilogy that is the sequel, Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Okay. But that's assuming that people in Hollywood are competent enough or have. That's the thing. They should be. They yeah, should be. they should be. But the amount of clashing egos in that industry... That's where that's why we are where we are. Or that's I think what makes the original trilogy so good is because it's like George Lucas stepped away from it and then he had the same the same people yeah. keep going with it. Um like and start to come across, but like again, that's the that's the problem where it's you have like these people who are you know so busy. It's like musicians trying to release another album and you're like, you know, I've got to do this, this, this and this, and you you have everybody has their own production company and like someone like JJ Abrams has like you have this but we're also producing with bad robot we've also got like or even a better example like bloom house yeah. like the, like just the sheer volume of stuff that they sign off on and you're like at some point something has to break and like where you see that there where it was like it, jj johnson jj um 
it was like it had to break it, it wasn't going to work it was never going to work because of this it was like we have this trilogy we're going to give it to as many different people as possible and expect coherence even though like they all have completely conflicting styles and so yeah you have this middle one where it's like this is like the the dark night of star wars where ev- everything's much moody it's longer everybody dies and then you have to go right back well don't worry about it we're going back to it. hey that's it reminds me of um, what was it there? It reminds me of the story about like oh the original Star Wars movies that, that George Lucas made. He made them, but he had uh, feedback. So he had mm. people know that wouldn't work. No, you should change that. He had, he people were meddling with this script, but he was in charge initially. And everyone loves the original trilogy. And then when he made the prequel trilogy, no one was questioning him. He could just do whatever he wanted. And then we got the negative feedback from that. And now you got the new trilogy, which is basically, uh, hey, let's make this by committee of Disney and our high overlord mouse. There's so much like ego and politics and agenda behind the new uh, Star Wars movies where they sacrifice the story. Yeah. Sorry, I just heard that. I just I had a vision of that South Park episode where, was, where they go to Disney to try and pitch something. I was going, who the fuck are you? I didn't hire you. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Did you hear <laughs> that Disney's trying to copyright Loki? What? Like, yeah, they're trying to copyright Loki as in the Norse god. Uh, there were some cases like on certain websites where uh, things that were I'd be made surprised up, if they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So things related to Loki, the, the Norse god or photos of him that are outside the MCU, they've been copyright striking it. I'm now, just say, I'm just gonna say this straight up. I hope the guy Disney never acquires any of our comics. Oh God! Saying, I am just saying that. I don't want them in charge of our comics. <laughs> Let's put it this way: I, I don't. I would hope that one of us would get that big one day that Disney would want to buy our comics. But obviously, like you know, I like, hey, I'm offered millions of dollars and maintain certain rights over my characters. Fuck yeah, buy it, man. I don't care. <laughs> like, I'll I'll write my own like definitive ending and I'll release it when I die. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, they've ruined my IP. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna write my own version of the story. I'm gonna get my indie friends to draw it, and you know what? I'm just gonna release it for shits and giggles and tell people, yeah, this is the definitive ending of the story. Don't everything they put out afterwards is non cat just to fuck with them <laughs> but is that but i'm not i'm not surprised by that at all um do you know and i think even what was it i was on instagram or something like that recently and there was some type of mythology thing uh do you know when you you kind of hit reels or you hit that that like search button and you're yeah. Oh, I think we lost him. Yeah, 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 we did. Don't worry, he'll come back to us. Yeah, it's very interesting to see everybody in freeze frame, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It, it always captures you in the best moments. Yeah, especially when he's actually because look at him, he's so relaxed and he's, you know, he's making his point. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, boy, he'll be back. He'll be back. You're probably going to edit this part, part out, right? Or are you just going to just leave it like this? We'll see with uh, what Greg can edit. Okay, I'm going to pause the recording. Yeah. All right. We, we lost you there for a second. Looks like you connected. What happened? It was the apocalypse. Everything just dies. Well, the important oh, thing Disney, is that, you that was a copyright strike on Disney Sparks. Disney copyrighted our, our, our podcast. Yeah. I, got, I just got shut down by Disney. I believe it. The uh, al- algae rhythm is out to get us. <laughs> Something just went off. Anyway, I think we're all. I think we're all right now. Yeah. So, so you were saying before you you got cut off. I'm afraid to say it. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, we're all friends here. But it's like, yeah, so it's like I wouldn't be surprised in trying to, I wouldn't be surprised actually if they won a trademarking case against a mythological being. I mean, um, do you I, know, because it's, it's that whole thing. It, it's, they're, 
they're too big now as well. Do you know? Yeah. And who's really going to turn around and go? You can't. You can't claim somebody that doesn't might. I don't know. Might not actually have enough people who still believe in something like that now as well. If there's no one there to defend us, it kind of don't be claimed by anybody. To be fair, know. though, they're, they've been unsuccessful in doing that for all their Disney properties and the stories of uh, the Brothers Grimm. So if they haven't done it for those guys, I don't think they'll pull it off for Loki. Yeah, it's kind of like it's the very much the automated automated copyright strikes in that they just see the word and they they claim it like, you know, on YouTube, anything you do, it gets messed up. But no, it's uh, mm. It's messed up. Oh, speaking of copyrights, <laughs> who saw the new Space Jam? Careful now, because my internet is just saying it's unstable. Someone is listening. <laughs> so we'll do the next point quick. We're just going to ask, uh, who saw the new Space Jam? Uh, I did not see it. No. What happened? Yeah, I saw it, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to go into it. It's just like I came out of the movie, and I'm like, that happened. Like, I had, like, very mixed feelings about it. Like, the original director of uh, the first movie. It what? The original director, oh, you didn't notice? The original director of Space Jam, the the first one, expressed his feelings about uh, Space Jam 2. And what were they? Now you got me curious. All negative. All negative. Why are you doing this? Okay. I mean, I get it. But that's a fair question, though. Yeah, why are they doing it? Um, I think to promote mm. all of Warner Brothers' property because this was less a movie about the Looney Tunes and a basketball game and more about let's shill all of our different properties. But why? Because why not? Okay. Like, there's one scene in the movie where, like, they're, they're on the court. And you have all these various Warner Brothers properties, characters behind the main characters. And behind the, the bad guys is people dressed up as villains from the Batman movies. So you got this guy cosplaying the Penguin. You got this guy cosplaying Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. And it just, it's so distracting. Um, yeah, I gotta say, there isn't a comic adaptation of this movie. I gotta tell you, I read it. I know what happened in the movie. The comic actually is, is better than the movie. I'll look into that because now you got me morbidly curious. But the thing I didn't like is that one, uh, they went video game rules at the end and nothing made sense. So there's no stakes. Like, I just, I just have, have very weird feelings towards that movie. And like, you just have like, oh, let's go into all these different uh, movie properties and the Looney Tunes are invading. Like, what? Elmer Fudd as Mini-Me, uh, Daffy Duck in um, in uh, the DC universe trying to be Superman and therefore causing all of the crimes he's trying to stop. Which in of itself is an interesting idea and I'd rather see that as its own thing. Like, hey, you know, we're going to make a Looney Tunes special where J- Donald Duck is trying to get into the Justice League. I'd watch that. It's, it's the kind of Looney mm. shit that Looney Tunes would do. But it's just like, it feels all over the place. It, it just feels like, oh, let's try to shill our different properties. Yeah. Definitely ego stroke LeBron James. Yeah. Like there's somebody on scene the entire time just stroking his ego. Yeah. I think it was all, like, even when it was announced, I was kind of, I was kind of like, oh, Space Jam 2. Never needed okay so, you know, it was like that it was like yeah we're going to, you know whoever whoever is what people interpret to be the new Michael Jordan um, in terms of fame and celebrity and it's like it literally like everybody knows LeBron James is. you know if you, if you don't play basketball if you've never seen a basketball you know who he is um I'm going to disagree because like, he's just kind of everywhere. So, and then it's again, we have all this thing of like, like, when was the last time a Looney, a new Looney Tune actually came out? Uh, there's been a few cartoons over the last Which would be my question. You know, because I read there were. 
There, no, there, there have been several. Because uh, even over on this side of things, you know, over here. Hmm. Like Looney Tunes movie. Because no. there's no, there's no, they don't really have a relevance like over here in Europe anyway. Yeah. But there you know, have been they've like. They've kind of lost all that. Yeah. There, there have been constant Looney Tunes shows over the last five years. There was like the Looney Tunes show, which was really good. There's like the show called Bugs. But like, they're kind of like, kind of underground. Like not everyone knows about them. But they do exist. People are watching them. But, and as for LeBron James, like, I'm not a big basketball guy. I'm not a big sports guy in general. And I honestly, like, the name doesn't register until this movie. Michael Jordan, even though me, as a kid who wants nothing to do but play video games and watch TV, knew who Michael Jordan was. Mm. But that's me, maybe. Anyways, this movie's a corporate shill. It feels like a corporate shill, and it just it Space Jam is basically a, a product of its time, and it's a very good example of a product of its time. I wonder if this will be the same. All right, I think that's a good place to end it because I think we covered a good amount of stuff in the last hour. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to bring up, talk about, yeah, or we'll, we'll head it up? Um, I can't think of anything. All right, then. No, nothing. I mean, yeah, nothing. All right, then. So thank you all for watching, uh, all four of the people who watch this podcast. You are our reason for doing this. And it's totally not just an excuse for me to get together with a bunch of equally nerdy people and just jam for about an hour. Yes, it is, Peter. Yes, it is. It's exactly that. And you love it and you know it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a good one. Goodbye.